1: Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Two iconic names of European football. Advantage played by the ref, and Mbappe looking to take advantage.
2: Oh, it's in. Devastating finish on Erling Haaland. Drop tier for Marmar. What a finish. And Celtic back in front. Good cross. Brilliant header.
0: Magnificent goal, 2-2 at Celtic Park. Threads it through, wonderful save, but Jimenez taps it home. Feyenoord on their
1: way to a massive win. Welcome back. Match day three of Champions League is a wrap. Here's a look at Wednesday's results in Group E. Feyenoord with the 3-1 win over Lazio, Celtic, and Atleti. Split points, 2-2 two, two draw over there. Uh, Leipzig, 3-1 over Red Star. Belgrade City with a 3-1 win over Young Boys. Porto, 4-1 over Royal Antwerp. All right, let's move on to Group E and get into some highlights. Feyenoord hosting Lazio. Here are the highlights from this one. Pick it up in the 31st minute. And Santi. Jimenez,
2: and he had been denied a goal earlier on because of VAR, and he just kept on going. Let's remember that this is his first game back in Champions League. He was suspended for the first two, and the Cope, which is Feyenoord's home stadium. This is his Champions League debut now. Correct, yes. correct. It is because last season they were in uh, Europa League, mm-hmm. and the Cop the the stadium where Feyenoord plays, the atmosphere was unbelievable. Mm-hmm. You could you could sense it through the TV. The energy was different, and and they were high flying on that energy, Feyenoord.
0: And he's scoring Oof. every type of goal, big body goal, holding back the, the defender, uh, poacher's goal. He's just, what a, what a wild, his movement is incredible. He's so active. You love to see this.
3: You
1: love to see it. All right, let's uh, get to the Group E table. And it's Feyenoord sitting on top of Group E with six points, followed by Atleti with five, um, Lazio at four, and Celtic, who put up a a, a valid performance against Atleti in Group A action. Um, They just have a single point. Jimmy, what do you make of the the way this Group E is shaking out?
4: I think it's interesting. Lazio have their next two matches in the Champions League at home. So if they can somehow pull out those results, especially against Feyenoord, then they're right back into the possibility of getting into the round of 16. Celtic, unfortunate, had the lead twice. They've only won one out of their last 25 Champions League games, so I was uh, hopeful it's tough. yesterday.
1: I thought it was gonna happen for them.
4: Cool. Once uh, Fuhurashi scores early on, when you get the Celtic Park crowd involved, I thought they were gonna go on and kick on and do it too, because at times you can see Atleti, having trouble scoring, though this iteration of Atleti is scoring goals for fun, and, and uh, there were some great goals in this game overall. That was, that was a really fun game to watch. Celtic probably don't have much of a chance, but I think the other three teams are battling for the top two spots, so it's going to be really fun the next three match days. The,
2: the Japanese players on Celtic are playing amazing. It was a hat-trick of Japanese goals at the weekend, um, and they're, they're cooking at a different level. There's a good feeling at Celtic domestically, but... For some reason, when you translate that over into the Champions League, it's just not happening. Luis Palma, the Honduran player that they brought over from Greece, um, has made a great impact on the team as well. He's contributing. He was denied, let's remember, the winner against Lazio on match day two for an offside. And he is a good pickup, a good signing from Brendan Rodgers. He's understanding what he needs to do. And and look at the goal that he got. Honduran goal scorer, got to give him some love, some love to my Honduran side of the oh, family. Your Very exciting. Your mama. You know, when, when, when a humble country like Honduras is at the Champions League level, it's pretty notable. So it's pretty cool because in Honduras, it was, I mean, against Atletico Madrid in a difficult circumstance, in a great atmosphere, good context, it was it was a little, a little win for Honduras yesterday. And give Brendan Rodgers some flowers. He's got
0: them playing extremely well. But a draw at home is tough, especially when you would assume – Playing at home for Celtic is an advantage. And you cough
1: up a lead. Yeah, place. and
0: you're not gonna get. You're not gonna be. Able, you're not gonna get that
2: atmosphere, obviously, on the road. One man up yes. for the yeah. last like twelve minutes of the game.
1: Tough Dad result. Dad. Tough result Dad. for them. Um, all right, let's move along over to Group G. Young boys hosting Manchester City. Where at? What was the stadium's name, I Alexis? Can't, I, can't <laughs> I think
0: it was the Wankdorf. It was. Oh, tough. Tough. Oh, you're right. right.
1: <laughs> oh boy. Well, the turf didn't seem to stop Manchester City Tough at trip.
2: all. The stat, Akanji, the Swiss goal scorer, Swiss defender for Manchester City, never scored against young boys, ever. He played for two Swiss teams. He just played uh, with other guys most of his career? <laughs> Correct. Um, professionals. <laughs> yeah. At yeah. Manchester City, at one point, I think the difference was... They were going to get it done anyway. This is too yeah. easy for them, mm. the group stage. This They
0: this. have a class above all in general, never mind against you know a, a
4: Swiss competitor, which is only so much you can do. Um, and Pep, Pep made five changes to his starting 11 from the weekend. Mm-hmm. You see here a penalty that's called, and of course, Erling Haaland is going to step up.
1: Oh. What's crazy
4: about the big man is that uh, in his last 100 appearances in all competitions, he's had 115 goal involvements that's goals and assists 96 goals and 19 assists Is that a lot That's a <laughs> lot <laughs> and uh, he actually hadn't scored in the Champions League in his last five games. I was so.
1: worried. I was really worried about Erling Haaland and, and his goal-scoring and ability. Yeah. Yeah. Every it's time an absolute a,
0: banger. Every time a defender would score, they would the memes would be like, this guy has more goals than Erling Haaland in Champions <laughs> <I> League. Uh, <laughs> it's like, just State. you
1: wait. So
0: yeah, so I'm happy. Don't give piss him off. A, give him the penalty. Do
1: not piss him off. Did um, Calvin
0: Phillip play?
1: My goodness. Manchester, That's the question <laughs>
0: for everyone. Mm, Manchester no. City no, absolutely yeah, no, he
1: lying not. as expected in this group stage. They are on top of the table at nine points. Leipzig also quite comfortable at six. And then Young Boys and Red Star Belgrade both with a point apiece looking like City and Leipzig will be the two teams to emerge from this one. Not I mean, a surprise. Not yeah. a surprise. To
0: correct, Calvin Phillips did get subbed on in the
2: 90s. So. But he loves Rico <laughs> Lewis, Pep Guardiola. Yeah, like, yeah, he, yeah, yeah, Rico yeah. Lewis is, uh, by this time of the season, above Calvin Phillips for sure. Wanted to throw some trivia. Oh, let's do uh, it. Erling Haaland passed... Which Real Madrid legend on the all-time goal-scoring list of the Champions Raul. League? Raul. You have to go further back. Further Wait, back. What's further the question? Back. So Erling Her- Brauthala now has 37 Champions League goals. Right. Around, you you got the right era. An award is named after him. Puskas. Puskas. Ferenc Puskas. Yeah,
4: I'll take it. I got three has chances everyone but Good I got job, it. Jimmy. Finished yeah. his
2: career with 36 goals in 41 appearances, which is which is not bad, but Erling Braut Haaland at the very beginning of his career now has 37 Champions League goals in 33 appearances, which is stupid numbers. Jeez. Stupid numbers. It's Chico. freaky. Freaky. That is incredible.
1: That is wild. They're flying. Uh Holland unleashed. All right, let's uh, transition over to Group H, shall we? We've got Barcelona taking on Shakhtar Donetsk. Get into the highlights of this one. And, oh, wow. Torres, Baron
0: Torres. That is what we call a Fuakata, folks. Uh,
1: that was a Fuakata. That is, I feel like I'm, I'm starting to understand yeah. what. That looks like. Yeah, it's just
2: hard. Put your put your laces through it. And that's like when when the mom hits it right with a chancleta. Yeah, 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 yeah.
0: (laughs) When I say the joke that I shouldn't have said in the minivan, and she reaches back. (laughs) guacata.
1: Quaqueta. That is his second straight Champions League match with a goal.
0: Yeah.
4: Luckily, VAR looks at it, realizes, good to go. Clearly intimidated by Ilkay gundawan but they get the goal. Look at that stare got to be tough to celebrate and then wait and then <laughs> celebrate. And look at all the players out for Barcelona.
2: No Gavi, no Pedri, no Lewandowski, no Rafinha. No problem. They got it done. Rosie could win a Champions League game if they were healthy. This,
4: Ooh, this is an incredible goal oof. by the, the 20-year-old homegrown player. For me, Lopez, Javi said after the game that uh, if he believes it, he can be a Barca player for many years. That's the type of quality that they continue to produce from Barcelona's famed youth academy, La Masia. Shakhtar would ruin the clean sheet here. They would. It's interesting. I think this this is a vulnerability though from Barcelona Mm -hmm. that that sometimes they maybe play too high of a line. That obviously goes in line with the principles of how Xavi likes to play, to put the high pressure on, especially right after they lose the ball. But against a better team, no disrespect to uh, Shakhtar, that could turn into goals that could hurt you as you get into the knockout rounds, then eventually get eliminated. But Barcelona looking good, and obviously got El Clasico this weekend, so balancing that team, making sure you rest some important players for this one so they can be ready for the big matchup against Real Madrid, super important.
1: Uh, Porto with the 4-1 win over Antwerp. They looked really good in...
4: Evan Nielsen That's with right. a hat with trick. With a hat, Hattie. Pretty nice, good performance. A little bit tough for them at first, but then they found their way and uh, worked through Royal Antwerp. I want to say that Royal Antwerp, they had the lead again. They had the lead against Shakhtar Donetsk. They shouldn't have lost that one. They lost three to two. They missed that penalty at the very end, match day two. That was crazy. And then again, they have the lead here. And then there's this, this capitulation. And that, obviously, that's not a good trend for any team. But for Royal Antwerp, they were so close to putting themselves in a good spot after three match days, and now they're at the bottom of the, the group.
2: Um, in that Antwerp-Porto game, my, my Argentine pride is, like, almost <laughs> insulted. You know why? Because let me just put you into context from what I'm thinking through my lens. It's like Brazilians. It's, it's, it's envy, really. Man, Emanuel and Evan Nilsson will never get shots on the national team. Scoring Champions League hat-tricks, the amount of talent that Brazil <laughs> produces, it's like, man, like, give everybody else a chance, bro. Like... Who are these guys scoring hat-tricks in important games? Come on, Brazil. I will
0: say Royal Antwerp is 25000 So if you find $100 in your pocket and you don't need it, Impossible. throw it. I know, but that plus was 25, to win the $25,000 to win the group? No, you're Back throwing to ben, your money
1: away. God. I mean, you we know. can't get away. It's, it's Jimmy Conrad's fault. <laughs> I blame him. We're all, he's turned us all into g- degenerates. All right, we're going to take a break. Um, it has been a nightmare season for Dutch side Ajax. We are diving into what has gone wrong for the club after a quick timeout.
3: Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC.
1: Welcome back. Well, in the era of VC, Ajax has been a perennial giant, but it's been a nightmare 2023 for the club. Here's a look at what's gone down a third place finish last season. They failed to make champions league this season on May 30th. Edwin van der his legendary keeper steps down as chief executive on September 24th. Their match against Feyenoord is suspended after the team goes down 4-0. Fans throw flares on the pitch right outside the stadium. That same day, Sven Misenzlott is fired by the club due to lack of broad support. And then on October 23rd, head coach Maurice Stein fired with the club sitting in 17th place. What has happened at Ajax is pretty shocking. This is the most successful club in the Netherlands. They've won 36 league titles. They've won Four European championships, um, and they're off to their worst start in the season. In fact, let's take a look. I think we have a full screen of where they're at right now, what their season has looked like. They're sitting 17th in the Eredivisie, eight-match winless streak across all competitions. And as we mentioned, they fired their manager on Monday, the worst start to league in club history. How did we get here?
4: I remember reading articles a couple years ago where the headline was Ajax are going to become the Bayern Munich of the Eredivisie. They're going to win 10 straight league titles, but what happens is their best players always get poached by the top European clubs. They want to be one of the top European clubs, but they can't sustain it because of what they do and how they've been doing it in their history. So they always are known for that. At some point, your youth academy is not going to fill those gaps. And I think they've run into a little bit of that. When I think about also, you didn't mention Mark Overmars. He, he was in a very important position as sporting director and in charge of transfers. From what I understand, he, got, he left abruptly. So when someone like that who has been in a position for a while leaves abruptly, he wasn't a guy that left like this sophisticated system in place. He was more of a relationship person. He was like, put your arm around you, see it at a party. Hey, let's talk a little business. So there was no infrastructure underneath him. So when he left, there was a little bit of a void. Edwin Vandesaar leaves pretty abruptly. You have these big, prominent names that are part of the history of the club, and they're gone, and now you're trying to replace it, and you're trying to rush it. And you've already lost all these players. You lose Eric Ten Hag as a manager who clearly has uh, what takes pride in in having ducks in a row. He seems very organized. So all these important pieces just go within, what, a year, year and a half, and you're losing all these players and now this is what happens. That's, was, how, that's how it feels, at least from my yeah. perspective. It
0: was a bit of a, it was a bit of like a lot of bad things happening at once. Uh, it remind, This it reminds me a little bit of uh, Hurricane or Superstorm Sandy, where it was like a storm surge plus a, a hurricane plus, <laughs> plus uh, you know, this uh, a high tide all came together and created massive floods in lower Manhattan in a way where we've never seen. This is similar to what's happening at Ajax. And to understand the fans sort of anger and, and frustration, you have to doubt all the way back to, you know, a, pl- a gentleman by the name of Jan Van Halst, I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly, uh, sort of found himself in a high position because so many people had started to leave IX, whether for on purpose or for medical reasons or because they were asked to leave or agreed to leave because of some of their... Um, you know, some of the things that we're doing while well at the club, I'll say. <laughs> uh, diplomatic way of I'm trying that. my hardest <laughs> oh, not Alexis's to get diplomatic.
4: myself in yeah, like running um, for mayor
0: over here. To give you some context, we mentioned that's the worst uh, start in club history. It's also uh, the lowest position they've been in. Uh, they finished a league or are currently in since, I'm sorry, they finished league since the uh, era the BC started in 1956. This it could get even worse if you if you care about XG I always mention that because I know there's a lot of people you that have don't.
1: you have said XG more times in the last three. <laughs> I feel like days. <laughs> the drinking game for yeah. people. Seriously, but
0: if you look at it, they they it should be even worse. They're actually playing above their standard. Uh, this is not good. Under Maurice Stein, they have um, the, his plan was attacking football is at the forefront of what I want from my team as a coach. And what we've seen is a team that cannot attack and cannot defend. Uh, he was sacked with a points per game of points 71. That's worse of any Ajax manager Ever. in the history of the era VC. Yep. They are currently, if, if, where they should be, they should actually be one position lower based on XG. They're actually performing a little bit higher. And the reason for that is because they have, while they have the youngest starting age in the era Eredivisie, which is 22 years and 163 days, that's their average starting age. Well, that's the youngest. But no team has used more players. They've 28. They have had so many different first 11s. On a coaching level, they're not good. After Eric Ten Hag left, who was a historic coach for them, after Eric Ten Hag left, it has completely collapsed. And it is because they have no leadership at the moment. Mm. Their leadership is in ruins. Marco van Basten said, based up because of their leadership, they said that he said, it's not Ajax. To quote him, it's more like FC Amsterdam over there. Mm.
4: This is. It feels like Chelsea. The, to be
0: honest,
2: <laughs> from the <Lots> of <laughs> players, the no, leadership—it's much, much worse. There's a term. <laughs> there's a
0: term that's used in some groups that may be organized, uh, uh, where they say the fish thinks from the head. You know, if you the, it, this yeah. comes from the top. And for Ajax, what you're seeing on the pitch has started years ago. This in the front office.
2: It's a full blown institutional crisis. They've pulled too many plugs too quickly. When you consider where they were with Eric Hagen, how organized everything was, and it just felt like they were reaping so many rewards and they had so much talent out there, there was no contingency plan once they sold Frankie de Jong, once they sold Van de Beek. Once uh, they started getting rid of De Ligt, for example, but not only that. Those are your players that, that you've young players. The young is not Ajax Academy. He came from Willem too, but he's one of the young players that you relied on. But then you also lose Dušan Tadić, who is one of the most experienced players you had, and then move on past Ten Hag, the the remnants in Edson Alvarez, Mohamed Kudus, who's probably one of your best players last year. You started losing your I mean, backbone, Anthony. little by little. Yeah. There we go. Anthony, Neres from that team. Lissandro Martinez, Martinez. Urien Timber. It's a whole list of world-class wow, talent. Wow, look at these names. Gravenberg. And look, oh, there we go. The Dele De- 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 Blind. that's now at Girón after okay. his, his time at Bayern, right? Andre Onana before there's, he moved to Manchester United. So there was uh, a, a lot of talent, and not only quality, but experience and leadership. And like you mentioned, with the departure of Overmars, the sudden departure of Edwin van der Sar, From if, if the head that stinks isn't getting things right, someone pulled the card that that made the entire house of cards club, and it's mark overmars if i'm if i'm gonna
0: uh if i'm gonna blame somebody if i'm gonna blame anybody it's overmars and you mentioned it uh, there was an article in the athletic where they basically detailed how instead of trusting the scouting network and when you are a club like Ajax, and you make you make your success is dependent upon your ability to sell but replace once mark overmars shows up and decides well i could do this based on friendship i could do this more on WhatsApp, as it's been reported, versus trusting my scouting network and in empowering my scouting network to go and find that next level. Once you do that and you remove yourself and your WhatsApp, the whole thing collapses because that scouting network is no longer empowered and hasn't been able to do their job. And now you don't have those replacements. If your entire club... And their success is situ- situated upon you being able to sell and immediately replace. And now you move the piece that is able to replace. This is where we're at. Now you have a group of players that are not built to play with each other. And how many managers have they had hmm. in the last three None seasons? Of the
4: None of them that, quality that I think deserve to coach Ajax, which I feel like needs to be a special person. And, and that and understands and the youth system yeah, and, the and players I coming through. I, I heard that they were so desperate to get help in the transfer market, they were using Dushan Tadej's agent to help broker deals. <sighs> I mean, that's just, yeah, I swear. Which I, is I also up, which is something crazy. else
0: that comes from a, a Milson-Tat system because the same thing was happening at Arsenal. One of the reasons he was uh, gone at Arsenal is because they started trusting agents more than the scouting network. Mm-hmm. This is a they, Unless you're able to stay with that club, it is a recipe for disaster, and, they, and we're literally watching it. Are we
1: Are we genuinely scared that they could get relegated? They is won't it, be relegated. They don't have too think much so.
0: talent. They need a manager that's able to put the talent together.
1: It just seems like there is so much to be fixed, and where do you even begin?
0: From the top. From the
1: top. But you need you results. You can't, exactly. Right.
0: Mm. And they have, a, they have a new director of football, but he's not starting until March, if I'm not mistaken. And Louis Van
4: Hall's I'm back in I wanna, consulting. I want to I correct myself. Is that I'll just a Slapping a name, I got what, slapping what a name does, out there? I, I,
2: it I, feels I, like a
1: I, Band-Aid. How
2: much influence is Louis Van Gaal from a
4: consulting point? It's at least somebody can reference. Like, hey,
2: what do you sure. think? It's name recognition. What do you think? Sure. And I feel at like that's all age, that it is.
1: From what and we his know, health.
4: he's
2: battling yeah, illness. Exactly. He, sure he has cancer. You I have believe to that's wonder he had said before, the how
1: Cup. involved he's actually going to be. I mean, it is. a... Does he
2: want that stress? I
1: don't know. I don't know if Louis Van Gaal is
2: going to solve the situation just by himself. You, you no, need you a whole will. system a network. You're You're what what it's like
4: like a grandpa. You're like, hey, what do you think? And you just get some advice. You do
2: need
0: someone who understands the club and how it's been run in the past at the highest levels of success to, at the very least, consult.
1: All right, guys, we are going to take another break. The U.S. women's national team have a pair of upcoming friendlies against Colombia. We are going to chat to Sandra Herrera about what to expect from those matches. That's after a quick break. Don't go anywhere. Welcome back. The U.S. Women's National Team in action tonight, the first of a pair of friendlies against Colombia. They'll face off in Salt Lake City. That match, 9 p.m. Eastern on TBS. And for more on the U.S. Women's National Team in this friendly, we're going to bring in our good friend, Sandra Ferreira. Hello, Sandra, how are you this morning?
3: I'm doing all right. Good to see you all. Always great
1: to see you. All right, let's chat about this team that uh, interim manager Twila Kilgore has assembled for these friendlies. The return of Becky Sauerbron to the roster. She obviously missed out on the World Cup after sustaining that injury. Um, but how excited are you to have her back, her veteran presence back in the fold with this team?
3: Yeah, I think it's always exciting when when Becky Sauerbrunn is healthy and available and ready to go for this U.S. women's national team. Missed out on the World Cup with a lingering foot injury, but she's one of a couple players uh, back in the mix for this camp. Her first one since April, and I think the center-back pairing has been a little bit of an ongoing question mark for this team, during not only during the World Cup in terms of Adonofsky's, the adjustments to to start Ertz alongside Naomi Girma, but now in post World Cup, where we're still continuing to see a little bit of rotation at this position. No Tierna Davidson, who is uh, working her way back from an injury that she sustained in NWSL. So who's going to be the the starting pair for these couple of friendlies coming up? And I think with Becky Sauerbrunn back in the mix, maybe we can get to see her alongside Naomi Girma.
4: Now, Sandra, when I look at the 27-player roster, A lot of familiarity, uh, a lot of experience in the defense and in midfields, but up in the attacking areas, we have some 18-year-olds. We have Jaden Shaw from the San Diego Wave, excellent player, Alyssa Thompson from Angel City. We could throw Olivia Moultrie in there, 18-year-old who plays for the Thorns. I'd love to see the kids play ultimately, and so I want to know from your perspective, do you think we're going to get to see them start, or are they going to come off the bench and be more super subs?
3: I hope so. I hope we get to see them start. Uh, Twilight Kilgore has been at the head of this team in the interim role for the past two couple games in the September window. These are going to be her final two games with the team for these October friendlies before this search really gets cranked up for the next head coach and they name who that's going to be. But she's also got the the two wins and she's got a couple of players that she's given uh, first caps and first debuts to. So maybe this will be another series where we see a couple of players get their first ever starts with this team as well. I'm with you, Jimmy. I'd Love to see those caps go to Jaden Shaw and Olivia Moultrie as well. An interesting thing to note in naming this roster, they wanted to get players into this window who had minutes under their belt, ready to go, ready to play against opposition. And a lot of these players are the players who have some NWSL playoffs on the horizon for them as well. And these are two players who are going to compete in those semifinals. But two unique players with specific skill sets uh, to themselves, whether it's Jaden and Shaw, who's really good at unlocking things, and you've got Olivia Moultrie, who's incredible at breaking lines. What could we see if either of them get the start, or even together? I think that's what folks are also going to be looking for as Play well. Play the kids! Play <laughs> the kids,
4: Twyla!
0: <laughs> Sandra, how you doing today, by the way?
3: I'm, I'm chilling. I'm here. Okay. You know, it's, it's morning. I'm we not all got our coffee. Well. We're all hanging out.
0: <laughs> I'm not doing too great, and I'll tell you why, because I just got PTSD uh, thinking about our defensive midfield <laughs> from the Women's World Cup. Yeah. <laughs> And that's where my question lies. Uh, Linda Caicedo is obviously the name we're all talking about. But if we could stop her from getting service from whether it's Daniela Montoya or Lacey Santos, I think we would stand a better chance against uh, Linda Caicedo. So I ask you, who, who will be the defensive midfield that will try to stop the service to Linda Caicedo?
3: Yeah, I, th- I think I think we're maybe going to take a, another look at Emily Sonnet and Andy Sullivan kind of playing that dual role again with, you know, to kind of su- sustain a little bit of that attacking presence. I'm, I'm eager to also see a post World Cup Colombia as well. You know, I, I they had an incredible run during the World Cup. My Dark Horses, I, I loved watching their performance, made that quarterfinal appearance, but was eliminated against England. But who are they going to be? What are they going to look like post World Cup? This this is going to be the first uh, two-game uh, event for uh, head coach uh, Angela uh, Marguisila. So I'm curious to see how she's going to navigate. She was a, a former assistant uh, under Abadia when he was with, with the team. So what is she going to roll out? Are we going to continue to see them also kind of operate in a bit of a four-two-three-one, which we saw a lot during that World Cup? A couple of pieces uh, not named to this roster going up against the United States. They're going to be without Carolina Uzman, but it's, I'm with you as long as they've got a Santos. As Long as they've got uh, Linda Caicedo, that's always going to be a very threatening attack. So I think that it's going to be a dual combination of what's going to happen in that middle. But going back to what I said earlier a little bit about that center back pairing and who's how that's going to work in tandem together to try to sustain some of that attack.
2: So you named all of these names, right, on, on Colombia, and I want to dive a little further deep into them to see what made them so successful. Um, And now you even have names moving to Europe. Ana Maria Usman going to Bayern Munich at such a young age. What did Colombia do so right seemingly to the greater world, flowering in in, in front of our eyes at the World Cup? It was like almost unexpected. What was it that they did right, Sandra?
3: I mean, I don't want to simplify it, but. They won, unfortunately, (laughs) going into this this previous World Cup. And you look at some of these kind of old really old takes exposed type of um you know narratives going into this team i think it even really started as as early as uh, those closed door scrimmages you had ireland you know want to blow the whistle stop the games and and say no 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 this is too much and they had all these tropes placed upon them you know they're a latin american side they're they're smaller they're undersized they they resort to physicality and they uh, they'll need to use that in terms of getting through the their group stage and then kind of taking all that and throwing it out the window. And yes, you are putting a lot of pressure a little bit, maybe on their own 18 year old star and in someone like Linda Caicedo. But I think we all know at this point when you've got it, you've got it. And it was clearer than ever in the World Cup. I think when you have all of those eyes on such an event that it was evident they have got it. So, uh, beating Germany is is no easy feat and they went out and did that. They went out and they defeated, you know, uh, South Korea. They they went out to win the group. Um and sometimes winning in a World Cup stage forces people to take a look at your squad and maybe reevaluate some of those tropes that they placed upon uh, these players. They're very smart, very technical and tactical on the ball. And uh, I'm, you know, I wouldn't put it past either of these players to maybe make things difficult against some of the the top defenders in the world right now and in, in a Girmo or even a Sauerbrunn. All
4: right, Sandra. Two questions before we let you go. The first one is What should we, as fans of the U.S. women's national team, expect out of this game? These 90 minutes, we have two against Colombia over the next week. That's first. And then, second, who's going to be the next women's national team legend to actually move on and retire? I mean, who are you putting your money on? Is that Alex Good Morgan? Great. Is that ba- Listen, they're going to play in the Olympics. Why
1: are you ending careers, Jimmy? I'm <laughs> just saying. We, 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 I know, Megan Jimmy was a go Come Urch, on, man.
4: Dali Krieger we're coming oh listen. we're 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 our, our program is I in transition. I'm on a high here. I am ending on a high. Well, you know what? Answer that one first and then give us your prediction second though. <laughs>
3: huh. Jimmy, what do you got in that coffee, man? You trying to trying to set me up this morning. What's what's going on? It's for um, social. Don't look, worry about it. <laughs> I hear I hear you, right? Don't clip it. Um, I, I, I'm going to I'm going to go Take a look at at maybe who's in this camp right now. It's funny that you even bring it up because Becky Sauerbrunn was asked a question in the earlier press conference alongside Girma on Monday this week. What is going to be expected from her in some camps like this is she is someone of the same era with some uh, of her former teammates kind of hanging him up after this season. And she said, look, I'm, I'm in here and I expect to compete just like anyone else who's in here to expect to expect it to compete. Compete for minutes and when a new head coach comes into play, she's gonna. She hopes that she gets the the opportunity to continue to compete as well. So I'm not here to end anyone's uh, <laughs> career. So I want to continue to see uh, Becky Sauer and uh, you know with this team competing moving forward. Uh, but look, this is we're in between a cycle right now between a World Cup and the Olympics, and while. Sometimes post-World Cup, we see those wave of retirements. Maybe we'll see another one uh, come after the Olympics as well. You never know. It's... Age it comes for us We're all hold for you sure. To it, as far, Don't worry. <laughs> yeah, no. As far as far as uh, prediction, look, I want to see a good match between these two sides. Like I said, I think this is uh, a Colombia team that's in a little bit of a different position, uh, kind of post World Cup. And I'm also looking at the U.S. trying to to build on what they did against South Africa. Sophia Smith is back in this mix as well. She's building upon her minutes, um, working her way back from that mild MCL sprain, um, but she's already looking kind of dangerous. Uh, already served up an assist on the consolation goal uh, for Decision Day for Portland Thorns in that 5-1 loss against Angel City. So someone who can get on the pitch and be impactful immediately, no matter what capacity. So um, I'm going to go 2-1 USA in this one. Let's go. I'll take it.
1: Let's go. Oh, Sandra, always a pleasure. Thanks so much for uh, taking the time to join us this morning. Go get that coffee. (laughs) Thanks, y'all. (laughs) (laughs) All right, guys, we're going to take a quick time out. Um, We are looking ahead to today's Europa League matches when we return. Don't go anywhere.
0: Welcome, everyone, to this UEFA Europa League match. The stadium is absolutely rammed. Getting the cross in, and West Ham are in front. Paketa with a brilliant header going to have a shot, and Maurice filled it, Chucked away for his first Liverpool
2: goal. Lukaku, he's done it again.
4: Bumped him off the board, Pascal Gross, there's a road back for Brighton. In by Amrabat, and Vida there. Tomokoy Vida is developing a happy knack of scoring big goals in Europe this season.
1: Welcome back. Europa League action returns today. Here's a look at the upcoming fixtures that you can watch right here on Paramount+. Plus. Olympiacos taking on West Ham. Marseille versus AK Athens. Sparta Prague versus Rangers. Brighton taking on Ajax. Liverpool will host Toulouse. Roma versus Slavia. Praha. And Bayer Leverkusen will take on Garabag. All right. Let's look at one of the more interesting groups in this competition. And that is Group B. We've got, in the standings, Athens sitting on top, Marseille, Ajax, and Brighton, which is interesting. Um, Are we surprised that it's Athens leading the way in this group?
4: San Jose fans are. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. Yeah, Matias Almeida is the coach. He helped them win the Greek Super League last season. Mm -hmm. Clearly have some confidence. They've bought into his system. That's very key for any Matias Almeida Team, if they're going to have success, they have to buy into his very unique system. Very Marcelo Bielsa-esque. A lot of man-to-man type defending. And in terms of how they attack and, and, and move as a group, it, it's a very interesting system. Everybody has to be bought in for it to work. If there's one or two players on the field that don't buy in, then it creates massive gaps. And then you see what yeah. happened with the San Jose earthquakes. It just doesn't work. Yeah. So I'm not surprised they're in this spot, mainly because of how consistent they've been under Almeida. But when you think about where Ajax is, Marseille is a bit of a dumpster fire as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Brighton getting into Europe, you know, now trying to balance multiple competitions. Deserbi actually, as manager, he was with Shakhtar Donetsk. He has actually some European experience in the Champions League. Didn't win any of those games, which that's is interesting. Enough. He's actually never won a European game mm-hmm. before. It's the last time. Mugrick despite all good. the hype around
0: him. yeah. It's so the last time so. Look good, and obviously any player that's on the left is going to look good for Deserbi as long as you have high talent. You see it now with Matoma. Um,
2: And to just further the point on Ike, Athens, um, what they're doing so well under Matias Almeida, they're very organized. They have an experienced defense in Demagoy Vida, played a a World Cup final, the Croatian International. There he is right there. That's Amrabat sending in the cross, the brother of Sofian, that's Mm -hmm. Nordin Amrabat, a former Moroccan international. And it's Steven Zuber, the Swiss international, he was at, at Borussia Gladbach recently, um, who's essentially their best player, but they've also got the likes of Orbelin Pineda, the Mexican, the El Tri player, Rodolfo Pizarro. Uh, I guess Almeida wanted him coming from Inter-Miami to, to Ike Athens. I don't know how much of an impact he's really having. Not one of their best players, but obviously somewhat influential. They are bought in, like Jimmy says. And when you have... Kind of, it's like kind of like the perfect storm for AEK Athens to go into this group and unexpectedly put up results because Marseille was in a crisis. I'm pretty sure they're still in a crisis. Gennaro Gattuso hasn't really turned the ship yet for for Only one Marseille. win in four games. Yeah. Um, and then with Brighton being European debutants, it's a different dynamic, different atmosphere when you're playing in Europe. I um, actually already spent. 12 minutes talking about how bad they are. So, well, when
4: you think about established identities, Brighton has one, but it's very Premier League based, to your point. Athens seems to have the best identity. Marseille, changing coaches already. Mm. They have the talent, but they haven't really parlayed that into some consistency, both domestically. No, no fiesta parlay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, definitely oh, not happening there. And then Ajax, obviously, lacking an identity as well. So, I'm not, again, not surprised that I Athens is not I got lucky because the rest of the group is. In turmoil, yeah, if you will. So Brighton, right. or brand but for, new. But
1: for Brighton, who, to your point, Jimmy, you're, you're saying are trying to establish an identity in Europe, European competition in this, um, this is an Ix team that I mean they could be smelling blood right now when they when they look at this match. Maybe a new manager the, bounce because of the struggles. Maybe. But how big of an opportunity is this for for Brighton at home to to just kind of assert themselves and get themselves back in in this group to the the top of the table?
4: Yeah, it's huge. I think my big concern for Brighton is the left side because. Steing Jan is out. Uh, Tariq Lampty is out. Solly March just got hurt. So they have no left-sided defender. We've actually talked about this earlier this week about Manchester United, not having Luke Shaw, not having mm-hmm. uh, Malasia. And, and when you don't have that type of presence, a consistent presence on the left side, your team gets a little unbalanced. And I think balance is very important for the style of play that Brighton likes to play playing out of the back having those angles, and when you don't have your top three choices in that position, I just think that's an area where Ajax could exploit. Okay. Well, I don't know what Ajax that's is a doing, lot of, and that's Ajax a lot doesn't even know what they're doing, <laughs> yeah. so, so I think that, Brighton, to your point, do have a great opportunity to – got to they gotta go early. they got to try to put Ajax under pressure because when you're a team that's in turmoil, the last thing you need is to go down early in the game and then everybody goes, oh, here we go again. Yeah. yeah. They, they haven't won a game since August eight games mm-hmm. in all comps they haven't won. It's the longest streak since 1954, something yeah. crazy for them. So if you can get them in that mode of here we go again, that's going to obviously benefit Brighton. I will say this about Brighton. Uh, Deserby...
0: I even praise him. I think it's a it's a wonderful system. I to like to his what he, face. Yeah, to his face, uh, <laughs> and I will hold that he loved it um, and offered me a job. Um, he but did. I think I vouch. <laughs> thank you. He loves your ex. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he loves it. I, what I will say about him is it's seemingly as if the the torch is being passed to him. Um, Pep Guardiola has already heaped a bunch of praise on him. Even suggested that he might be the next up for Manchester City. There's so much praise being hyped. Uh, or being uh, thrown to Deserbi, I'm expecting that De Zerbe needs to show it in European competition. You're new in Champions League for one match. After that, hey, you've been there. Show me what you got. I'm, I need to see if you're going to be in a group with the likes of Ike Athens, Marseille, who, again, new coach, bit of a dumpster fire, and Ajax, a full-blown dumpster fire. If you're if you're going to be in a group with them, I need you to be a little higher than last in this group. I need to see something out of you that your system can mold around the players you have. If that's what you're known for, I need to see it in European competition.
1: I feel like maybe the expectations are a little too high for Deserbi. I don't know. I, I feel like we were so excited about them last year and what they were able to do in the Premier League. And group. then it is, it's a hard group, but it's... Anywhere but the else? way we're talking about him as, yeah. as the next Pep, I don't know. I just feel like people need to calm down.
4: Pep is talking about him
1: like, but, but I don't Remember, think that's uh, fair. I don't yeah. think it's fair for What's him to name? do that. What's his name? Andre I think you need Boas?
4: to calm down. A- 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 B- a- B- B- everybody was like, oh, he's going to be the next big manager. and I don't even know where he's you managing just now. Just let this
1: this is Listen. their first, <laughs> the local their high school first the appearance street. in Europe. Like, let's just Part see how they do in a very tough group. Like,
4: Yeah,
2: they got an unlucky draw. I feel like if another group, they probably would have been more favorites than they are now. but it's a rude introduction into Europe, and you know, it's a quick learning curve that they're going to have to understand.
1: Yep, really good point. All right, uh, before we take a break, let's take a look at some of the Conference League matches that we have to look forward to today. Um, Azad Alkmar taking on Aston Villa, who are playing very well right now. Lilo Slovan Bratislava, look at these names. Fenerbahce Ludogorets. I love Conference League. These names are great. All right, guys, all these matches on Paramount Plus. um, Our coverage starts at 12. We're going to take a break. We are looking ahead to some of the first round MLS Cup playoff action when we return. Stick around, we'll be right back. Welcome back to Morning Footy. The Audi MLS Cup playoffs are underway. Here's a look at the updated bracket. And we now know who the two wildcard teams are and that will advance to the next round in that three-game series against the number one seed in each respective conference. And that would be the New York Red Bulls who will take on FC Cincinnati and in the West. It's going to be, oh, this is a derby match. This is going to be so much fun. Sporting Kansas City against St. Louis SC in their inaugural MLS season. They clinched the number one seed. Oh, I love it. I love it. I love MLS Cup playoffs. I'm so excited. Let's start in the East um, and FC Cincinnati and Red Bulls. This is a three-game series. As we mentioned, FC Cincinnati, Supporters Shield winners. They spent so many years as the wooden spoon holders in the league, and suddenly they have emerged, Jimmy Conrad. How much of a chance Do we give the Red Bulls over the course of three games? Because they've done all all right against them this season. They've held their own. But over the course of a three-game series where there's like a week in between these matches, how do you see this playing out?
4: Well, given that the first game of this three-game series is at the Higher Seeds Stadium, and given the fact that both Kansas City and New York just played midweek, and aren't going to be as rested. I'm going to give the advantage to the higher seed. I'd probably do that anyway, because they're obviously the higher seed mm-hmm. for a reason. But three weeks ago, in Cincinnati, New York went and got a 2-1 result. They scored two goals early. They took the crowd out of it and held on to win 2-1. In fact, they haven't lost their last four away games. Which is, am- which is super impressive, and I'm, I love our New York Red Bulls fan over here. I love it, the fun fact. Oh, boy. Do not clip that. <laughs> <laughs> but... I think that's something that you can get confidence from. Had they played that game back in May or June, that would have felt so far removed. But just three weeks ago, they went to Cincinnati and got a result. And I think that matters. You can lean on that as a coach and as players. We've dealt with this atmosphere. We've dealt with these players. We can go get it. Maybe Cincinnati had taken their foot off the gas at that point. They were in cruise control. They were probably going to get the supporter shield. And they did. But there's something to be said for that. However, Cincinnati beat New York in New York twice this season once in the league and then once in the Open Cup. That was a 1 1 draw, and they had to go to penalties to make that happen. So I don't know. I, I, I still think Cincinnati is going to get through. I just think this one's going to be really tight. I think I can see the Rebels sneaking the first one, or at least surprising.
0: Cincinnati when Ooh, they go back all home the pressure imagine after. maybe only because you know we we often think about oh You've played too close to the last match There is a thing about momentum especially when your confidence is high being able to walk in saying I'm not that underdog I can see that happening, but Cincinnati has so much talent in this squad and I trust this talent so much just to be, uh, over time, that talent I think shines, and I think Cincinnati's. You got the in MVP a, in a three-game, in a three-game series, best of three. I, I don't know. It's got to be
2: Cincy. Can I ask you a question? Yeah. Let's switch roles. Yeah. Who do you think has a better chance? New York to go through, mm-hmm. or Sporting Kansas, uh, Sporting Kansas City to go through oh.
1: New York
2: against Cincinnati. Sporting Kansas City against St. Louis.
1: I'm going to say Sporting Kansas City, and I I only attribute that to experience and also Peter Vermees. I think that there is a, there is something about the way that Sporting Kansas City team is built. I trust him over a three-game series to figure things out to be able to make adjustments. I also think the fact that it is a a derby match and that they I, th- I can't remember what the head-to-head is but they have they split the
4: it's two wins it's, b- two wins for St. Louis, yes. Louis in St. Louis one win for one Kansas win. City in Kansas City
1: yeah I I, I feel like St. Louis has defied expectations the entire season and so it feels kind of silly I know you picked them to win the whole thing mm-hmm. it feels silly to bet against them at this point because they've just continued to prove everybody wrong at every step of the way and Bradley Carnell has done a phenomenal job in his first year in charge of this team. I just think that playoffs are a different beast, and if it's your if you're not used to playing in those kind of knockout situations, and I know the first uh, round of this is over the course of three games, I I trust a team with experience. I trust a team that has been in these playoffs before to move on. So I would give them the best chance of those teams to to move on between them and the red bulls i'm not saying that that's going to happen (laughs) i have no idea but if i were going to i'm answering the question if i were going to give a team a better chance i'd give it to sk
4: i have the same answer i also think what's interesting is that st louis absolutely demolished kansas city in st louis twice Mm -hmm. 4-0 the first time 4-1 the second time I just don't see how a team that's coached by Peter Vermees and these players with this experience and how they've tightened things up defensively are going to allow them to get their butts kicked three consecutive times in St. Louis. I just don't see that happening. And also, I think that could give you some false confidence as a St. Louis player. Like, oh, we've rolled these guys a couple times before. Mm This will be fine. Whether they they won't say that publicly, but it's something internal where. Uh, this these guys aren't that tough. In Kansas City, it'll be different, but here in St. Louis, we got these guys' number, and and I think that could work against them. And while this is St. Louis's
0: first attempt at playoffs in their first season, it's not new to Bradley Carnell. No, that's true. Because he was true. an assistant at Red Bulls, and Red Bulls, we mentioned how many times this is their 14th season in a row, but in the never playoffs. won a trophy. No, they definitely have not. Absolutely. So he
4: knows he knows how to fail in the playoffs, yeah. which is great for Kansas City.
0: Let's go, Bradley. This St. Louis is different.
4: <laughs> Wait, supporter shield, not a trophy. No. Well, not when it comes to the playoffs. Yeah. It's a whole new season, baby. Uh, it's Really, it's not an actual
0: trophy. It's silverware, but it's not a trophy.
1: It's a shield. It's an actual mm-hmm. shield. It's shield.
0: So is the
2: Meisterschale in the Bundesliga. Mm. It's a big old plate. It
1: is. Yeah. Okay, um, real quick. Liverpool to lose, say it, say your joke.
2: Uh, Liverpool to
0: win, more
4: like it, come on now, huh? Not bad. Uh, well if Toulouse plays too loose, hey. I don't think they're going to win. They're they're like that. I don't think uh, they're going to do it at the end. They're going to never allow this ever to happen
2: again. Look at
1: Liverpool, you guys. Liverpool four,
2: Toulouse zero.
1: Oh, you, I, see Liverpool have this terrible habit of conceding early, so I feel like Toulouse will find a way to score, but yeah. I agree, Liverpool. I feel bad they're going to walk off
0: to booze, you know? To
1: booze, <laughs> to lose. But not
0: alone,
4: which is Amazing.
1: nice. Amazing. <laughs> Thank you so much for tuning in. Enjoy all the soccer. Let's do it again tomorrow. We'll see you then. Have a great day.